So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. When you go on holiday, there is no finer achievement than doing absolutely nothing. Nothing on the beach, nothing by the pool. Walking kind of nowhere and chatting about nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can have a bit more money to go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing. Expedia. Made to travel. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn's Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Penn, Matt, Freddy, Rich, and I are broadcasting from our separate homes around the world. This week, Penn is back from Hungary, and we're expecting a pile of stories about the big Budapest adventure. It's Matt's wedding anniversary, and Reddy finally had a day's work. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Yeah, preaching love back from Budapest. Budapest. I was in Budapest. Budapest, Hungary. Damn, I am. Let's go out to eat. Yeah, um, I also want to address something I addressed before we got on here, which is the problem of being a liar. Um, I never know anyone's birthday. I never know anyone's anniversary. Not only do I not know, I don't care. And right. when I was on Facebook years and years ago, they would tell me whose birthday it was, and I would send everybody a little happy birthday greeting. So people got the idea that I gave the slightest flying fuck about birthdays. <laughs> and then after I got off Facebook, I would get pouty emails going, this is the first time in five years you ever wished me a happy birthday. And I would try to say to them as nicely as possible, I didn't care for those five years. It was a device that told me. So I did this little thing because I was being forced by a fucking fascist um, organization that brought Trump into power, uh, I was making me wish happy birthday. This organization that was sapping my soul, taking my time, confusing me, and also wishing you a happy birthday. So I took the trade that I no longer give a fuck about your birthday. But when people say, you know, you didn't wish me happy birthday, I say sorry as though I gave a fuck. So we all know <laughs> that I read my journal from 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and one year ago. My journal from 10 years ago says uh, that my wife, not me, my wife was going to your wedding. Right? Yeah. So I knew Matt Donnelly. Yeah. So I knew it was Matt Donnelly's 10th wedding anniversary. And I put at the top of my notes for this show, oh, yes, people, I do have notes for this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the problem with being a liar really is? <laughs> this is a revelation to everybody. How could you possibly, after the show is done, 
you could never figure out what those, those notes might have been. <laughs> but the notes say, Matt's 10th? Question mark. Then it says, drone into building, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Kelly, bad guy, Matt Vinny, gig, Godot, scary thing, ready, mask, private jet, McBride squeaker setup. That's what today is going to be. <laughs> and if you put that up for a vote, no one would vote Matt's 10th question mark as what they wanted to kick off the show with. <laughs> so I said to Matt, what's up today, Matt, before we came on? And Matt said, it's my 10th wedding anniversary. And I said, I knew that. And Matt Donnelly threw his head back and laughed. <laughs> You actually threw your head back and laughed. And I said, no, no, I really knew it was your 10th anniversary. You continued laughing. I really, because I know you've been off Facebook, so there's no way you would know this or <laughs> care or care about that. Not even slightly. What is your 10th anniversary plans? Should be a different verb to be. What are your 10th anniversary plans? Uh, we uh, already we went to this fancy hotel in Pasadena. Uh, and just uh, drop the kids off uh, with my mother-in-law. Um, she's just recovering from stuff, so we didn't want to make it too long. So we just did one night out of this fancy hotel in Pasadena. Um, what's interesting about this, well, two, two things that are actually worth talking about on this podcast, not my anniversary. Um, one is, what's funny is I remember I was just working for you guys at the Discovery Channel show, and we're doing writer's room stuff leading up to my wedding. So I remember yes, at we the time thinking maybe... You, you'd want to go, is what I thought. And what's funny yeah. is that 10 years later, boy, am I glad you didn't <laughs> go. And like, man, do I, as someone who's gotten to really know you as a friend, it's like, I would never have invited you for a second to my wedding. <laughs> I, uh, I, believe, I believe I have not been to a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I think technically you have to invite him. I've, I've, you know he's not coming. <laughs> I've yeah. officiated at weddings, but I've never attended a wedding. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, actually, Kramer had his wedding at my house, and I was around there. <laughs> and Like working out in the garage? I've officiated, but uh, I have never actually been a wedding guest. Um, my own wedding was you know, at one of the drive-through mm -hmm. places here in Las Vegas. The whole idea, you know, it's often, uh, it often involves alcohol which i don't like to be around right it often involves cover bands which i don't like to be around yeah um uh, sometimes it involves alcohol and cover bands simultaneously yes and it involves um talking to people and um i'm either Really good at that or really bad at that. I'm never okay at that. <laughs> and and you put that times four hours. What are the odds that you're gonna just crush it for four hours? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, four hours. I mean, four hours I can watch the three stooges. Yeah. End of list. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you try to get out of your own wedding? Did you try to get away, get out of your own? Uh, well, I almost did. We had this little, 
we made a mistake. We we went in, and I uh, I think I've said this before. I offended Elvis. We went to this <laughs> place because it had an internet connection. Yeah, that would brought would broadcast it so that Emily's family and my sister and so on could watch. And um, so we went in, and uh, the fellow there said uh, he was very he was the uh, manager or the owner maybe of the place. And he was very excited that we were there to get married. He was, he was, uh, he, uh, presented himself as a fan of Penn and Teller and, uh, who were not getting married, by the way. It was Penn and Emily. They were getting married, not Penn and Teller. <laughs> Wasn't legal at the time. And, um, he said, well, I'll do an Elvis wedding for you. I can do my Elvis. I'll dress up as Elvis to an Elvis wedding for you. And I said, Oh, that's, that's not necessary. And he said, I won't charge you the extra amount it costs for me to do Elvis. I'll just do Elvis. And I said, well, I, I don't think we want Elvis. And then he stood there pouting as Elvis. <laughs> well, I really want to be my Elvis. So then I said, we don't care what you do as long as there's no mention of God. Okay? Big mistake. When someone is officiating your wedding, find out how long they're going to do. <laughs> it's like saying, we'll have a comic on. Right. <laughs> you don't know how long he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I'm a little bit familiar with the cadence uh, and uh, of a comic. I'm not familiar with the cadence of someone pres presiding at a wedding. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we stood there on a stage with a little, I mean, this is like, whatever, 17 years ago, right? Yeah. So the quality of the camera and the internet was not good. Right. And the two of us stood there side by side, and this gentleman began talking. And I realized, first sentence out of his mouth, this could be two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> Neither does Emily. No one else in the room. Just the three of us. That's what's going on in my head while he's talking. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I'm going, geez, I really should have asked him, how long you doing? Because I don't know when my cue is. I mean, I know what, what the cue is. I don't know when the cue is. <laughs> And there's nothing that gives you a sense of when it's going to wrap up. He's talking about life. And life is going on and still continuing to go on. So as far <laughs> as I know, he could be talking about life for an in infinite amount of time. <laughs> so that was my wedding. Yours had alcohol. Yes. And you would probably have said yes to the Elvis impersonator. Oh, I don't know if we were into that either. We had a friend do our ceremony. We did have... Did you know how long he was doing? <laughs> we did request the 20-minute maximum for anything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a light, like a stand-up comedy club? We're going to turn on the red light when it's time because for you. Because I do accept my <laughs> friends' wedding invitations. I had a lot of opinions as to how long things should last oh, and when they oh. should go on for. <laughs> but I, I, like that it, I like that at your wedding, he said, and as we move through La Up, that's my time. To you, Matt Donnelly. 
<laughs> I'm getting the light. You guys have been fantastic. All right, let's bring up a friend group. <laughs> I know something else you can do for more than four hours. What's that? Watch 24. Yes, oh, I yeah. can. I was going to bring that up. We did a marathon of 24. <laughs> I did that for more than four hours. So, Godot, your second wedding was just drive through right? My second one was just drive through although I will, I will mention that I believe that the person who was your Elvis was in uh, Follies Bergere with my wife. So we would have had to take the, well, wet as, the Elvis wedding. <laughs> he said, we'll give you the Elvis. We'd go, thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, shucks. Well, I, I want to say, in fairness to the guy, uh, I bet his Elvis wedding was fabulous. I bet he did a great job. <laughs> it's not that he didn't know Elvis. It's that he didn't know Penn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And Emily. I mean, I guess Penn. Because Emily probably would have said, great. Elvis, cool. But, um, <laughs> yeah, my wife and I got married at a drive-thru, like, like you're talking about, and it was great. Yeah. You know. Can he officiate as Jack Bauer? Yeah. <laughs> Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? We have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time. <laughs> I'll tell you, Jack Bauer, Jack Bauer would have known exactly how long he was going to do. <laughs> there was a bomb behind him he had to do your wedding and then stop the bomb <laughs> was there thoughts to vows how much was it like a uh formality to you guys or uh there were no vows it was just i i do yes okay gotcha i wasn't sure if there was any we didn't we didn't write anything special that's what i was curious about we didn't write a thing that said like like a chipmunk to a tree. <laughs> like the ocean to the clam. Like, we, we had nothing like that to say. We said, okay. And then we went out for uh, pizza. Yeah. There's a pizza place on Las Vegas Boulevard that's not bad. And we walked around a little bit and we were done. All right. It was very, very pleasant. Very pleasant. <laughs> if we had had a proper wedding, I, I don't think I would have made it through. <laughs> it would have been like starting with the um, proceedings, and it would be like, oh, where's Penn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, your wife is sending photos of your wedding. It's, it looks very lovely. Very nice. It was. It was very lovely. It was very lovely, but we didn't know how long he was going to do. And now that it's done, I don't remember how long he did do. I guess about 10 minutes, man. <laughs> Nightmare. Nightmare would be like, hey, Chappelle showed up. He's going to do your wedding. You, who knows? <laughs> and I can't believe this, but our wedding band, the Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just time meant nothing. <laughs> Chappelle did eight hours and the dead, I think, are still playing our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> they got into Dark Star. Chappelle started talking started talking about how he was treated by Netflix, and then Dark Star started, and then I blacked out. Um, but we went to this fancy hotel, and what's interesting is, I think coming out of the pandemic, like it's interesting the increment of progress can be measured by like the day or week, like the hotel by the hour. 
I know. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like the, the hotel felt distinctly like three weeks behind Vegas, like with what was still being required and what wasn't being required and what was and wasn't opening up. And I was like, oh, okay. You're like three weeks back behind Vegas. I, this is nice. Okay. I know, I know how to, I know how to hang with this rule and where, to, where I do and don't wear a mask as I go. I knew when to wear a mask, when not to wear a mask, where, you know, what, what would be open, what wouldn't be open. It was like distinctly three weeks behind Vegas as to like what, what was going on at this hotel. And talking to people, you feel like you're in like a time machine. You're like, I'm actually talking to you from three weeks into the future. So I know how you're feeling. <laughs> I know your frustration. <laughs> I, I get it. In three I weeks, everything's going to be cool, buddy. Just calm yeah. down. <laughs> you won't be wearing a mask over there in three weeks. You won't. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You'll be done with that. And it's it's amazing because, as Piff said, as Piff said, three weeks into the pandemic, he couldn't remember what life was like before the pandemic. It was like, this is going to be forever. And then he came over to my house the other day and said, I don't remember the pandemic. <laughs> Because, you you know, when when they everyone talked about how it was in like 1918, uh, right? Or whatever. When was yeah. the big flu? Yeah, yeah, 1918. Trump, Trump lied about it. 25% of America believes Trump was right about when the flu was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, and it made me pause. Yeah. Um, and we're like, why wasn't there a bunch? Why wasn't this in a bunch of movies or incorporated in a bunch of things, you know? And the answer is when it happens to everybody, no one cares. And so like, this yeah. will be this will be out of all of our TV shows and out of all of our movies and music in no time. Let me get this straight. You were stuck in your house with your family <laughs> for a really long time and didn't know what to do. Tell me about that. <laughs> Day one. <laughs> yeah. We sat in the house, we had lunch and dinner. And then watch TV. <laughs> yeah, I watch so much TV. Day two. <laughs> yeah. I watch more TV in a year than I did in a decade. <laughs> I forget who it was that said, now we're saying stuff during the pandemic about TV like, you should watch this series. Doesn't really get very good till season four. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on stage with Teller, and now Jonesy's not wearing a mask, the crew's not wearing masks, and it's just like, I look out at the audience, they're not wearing masks, they're still spaced out, and then next week, they'll double the number, and then we're just back to regular. It's just crazy. And the other thing is that it's not crazy, it's sensible, the vaccine is better than we thought. Right. Right. How are things in Budapest? Budapest, um, there were armed people on the street making you wear masks. Armed. And then the next night they were gone. <laughs> really? Overnight. Yeah. Oh, so you were like right there when Budapest opened up? Yeah. Oh, that's unique. And it was, uh, it was crazy. I was out at restaurants. You know, my buddies, um, Randy Pitchford, Christy Pitchford. Uh, we were out at restaurants like normal people. Uh, we had brunch with Jamie Lee Curtis with everybody masked up and scared. And the next day opened up. By the way, Jamie Lee Curtis, perhaps the best person in the world. 
Like, oh, yeah? Just friendly, happy, a joy, joy, joy to be around. It's great. You know how some people, when people have sparkling personalities that really annoy you and you <laughs> being around them? Sure. They think they're Jamie Lee Curtis and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same reason so many comedy magicians suck, suck, suck. They think they're Mac King and they're not. And until you understand that they saw Mac King and wanted to be Mac King, you can't understand why they would be on stage doing that shit. <laughs> you have to see it from their point of view. Oh, they think they're doing what Mac King does and they're not, but they can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> like when someone is friendly and sparkling and you think, God damn, shut up. This is annoying. They think they're Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> when you're with Jamie Lee Curtis, being that way is a great way to be. Even I thought about being friendly, but then rejected that going, I'm not <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Had you met her previously? Never. Never. And we talked about everything and we got along fabulously but nothing to do with me by the way nothing to do with me jamie <laughs> curtis got along fabulously with craft services she got along <laughs> fabulously with people who didn't speak any english and didn't like americans she got along fabulously with everybody so getting along with jamie lee curtis is not an accomplishment <laughs> you know i uh, i saw the picture of you and her at that uh, burger king in Budapest. Which I, was, which I was legally allowed to send because we're not in costume. <laughs> I was oh. going to say, Teresa and I have been to that Burger King. You have not. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have been to that Burger King, and it was perhaps the best meal I had in Budapest because the food, when I was in Budapest, it might have been 25 or 30 years ago, the food was awful. I don't know about for your trip. You were with wealthy people, so perhaps. We went to um, the Four Seasons. <laughs> we went to a very nice Japanese restaurant, a very nice Italian restaurant, mm -hmm. and the Four Seasons a couple more times. So we never experienced um, real food food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in a circus competition, and they had uh, like commandeered a restaurant across the street from the circus arena for us. And every meal was old fish soaked in mayonnaise. <laughs> For, you know, I used oh, to like old fish soaked in mayonnaise. Was not good. My wife didn't like it. I didn't like it. The, the crazy part was we were, we were over there having lunch one day, and it was just awful. And uh, the Russian like acrobat troupe came in. They were part of the competition as well. And, and sat down and were so excited. And I was talking to them, and they said, we are loving this trip. This is the best food we've ever had. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Later, after the show, the artistic director for the Bolshoi Circus said, your show is, said to me, your show is really great. Would you like to come and work at the Bolshoi Circus? And I said, not a chance in hell. This is the best food they've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so if we really want to get rich, we just opened a TGI Fridays in Moscow, right? <laughs> you bet. Absolutely. Couldn't be a line for miles. Just for Jack Daniels barbecue sauce alone. Just for that alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Line up oh, for miles. Can't, 
Can't imagine what they would do to that. They would explode. <laughs> uh, I met Bonnie Raitt. Huh? And Bonnie Raitt and I were chatting. And Bonnie Raitt had just come back from Russia uh, doing some shows. And Bonnie said to me, you know, I don't usually give people advice. But uh, if you ever go to Russia, Penn, take Tabasco with you. <laughs> Keep it on your person all the time so you can get through the food over there. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. Fantastic <laughs> advice. Bonnie Raitt has lived, has loved, has traveled, and she has <laughs> condensed it all down to one piece of advice that I believe <laughs> is unassailable. <laughs> so, uh, do you know this guy, uh, Michael Kelly? No. Michael Kelly. I don't think so. Michael Kelly. He's an actor. If you saw him, you would know him. Okay. He is... The bad guy on House of Cards, I think. I mean, I know that Kevin Spacey is the bad guy on House of Cards. <laughs> He's another bad guy on House of Cards. Have you, have you, someone pull up, uh, ready, pull up Michael Kelly's, um, uh, uh, IMDb, IMDb or something. And you can see who he is. Anyway, Michael Kelly was sitting, cause they're shooting everything in the world. Every American TV show is being shot in Budapest simultaneously. <laughs> so the four seasons is a just, it's like what people think Hollywood is, right? Yeah. Everybody's there. <laughs> so what has Michael Kelly been in? He was Agent Fuller and now you see me. Yeah. Who else? Steve Lombard in Man of Steel. Yeah. Gray in Law Abiding Citizen. Anyway, if you see Michael Kelly, you know him because he's a really, really bad guy. Mm -hmm. So I walked by him. And all I knew when I walked by him was that I knew him and I didn't like him. <laughs> and I said, who'd I walk by in that booth? And J.B. Lee Curtis said, oh, uh, uh, yeah, he's an actor, isn't he? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, uh, let's go. Next thing I know, Jamie Lee Curtis is bringing Michael Kelly over to our table. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you are a really, really bad guy. See, that's what he is. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. That's a bad guy. Always a bad guy. Always a bad guy. Oh, always <laughs> a bad guy. And by the way, when he's sitting eating dinner at the Four Seasons with his manager, yeah, still a bad guy. <laughs> so he sat down and I said, I've seen you in a lot of TV shows. And he said, thank you. I said, here's what I want to say. Fuck you. <laughs> you're a really really bad guy and here's the thing really pleasant really nice but i don't know he's talking to jamie lee curtis so you can't tell <laughs> you could be sitting at a table with hitler charlie manson and jamie lee curtis you would say we had a pretty good time they're nice guys <laughs> in high school i remember I want to do improv in every capacity, right? So there's this improv group that went from school to school pretending to do talk shows where you'd stay in character and let the kids kind of see their issues on stage and interact or whatever. And, you know, the guy running it would do his best Donahue impersonation. And I'd always play some uh, uh, roid raging abusive jock. That was always my, my role in, the, uh, in, the, in the, uh, the talk show. And at the end, they'd always be like, now these guys aren't these people, they're actors, right? And let's meet them. And you'd get to like let down the curtain of your 
really immersive <laughs> Gary Oldman like transformation into this roid raging jock. <laughs> and I remember stupidly expecting the audience to be like, oh, good. What a nice fella. What a good actor. And instead, they're just like, I still fucking hate you. <laughs> you're just treating me like a dickhead the entire day. There was no clocking out from the role as the, as the boorish jock. Well, imagine being Michael Kelly. Ooh, that's what I'm saying. This is where I'm really, I, I bet, I bet that he, people just get scared when they get off the plane as soon as they see him. Like you gotta, like, you know, you're in trouble when you see that guy. He said, he laughed, he laughed a lot. And then he said, you know, in the movie I'm shooting right now, I'm actually playing a, a pretty good guy. I really am. It's kind of nice. And I looked at him and said, bullshit. <laughs> I said, it's not a movie. It's a series, right? He said, well, you know, we're shooting. I said, yeah. Wait till episode seven, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to turn because I've trusted you before in shows. <laughs> I mean, the writers are just going to watch the show and be like, well, you know where this is going. We, yeah. You know. <laughs> Tear up whatever we wrote for episode eight, because this is the turn we're taking. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, uh, we spent time with him and he was a great, great guy. But still, I don't know. He's probably betraying me behind my back right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling Jamie Lee Curtis how much you suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've got all sorts of things I'm not supposed to say. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. ton of things. Here's one. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is public information, uh, but everybody listening, keep this quiet, okay? Um, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis was asked to play the part of Reagan in The Exorcist. Oh, wow. Wow. She's the right age for it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Instead of Linda Blair, it would be Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, that, that really, that's to, because was, it, had Jamie Lee Curtis played that, like, would she have ended up as, Selma Blair had a hard time for a little while. Linda Blair. And Yeah, because she's spitting pea soup on people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like, would that have happened to Jamie Lee Curtis, or would... Jamie Lee Curtis was handled differently as a professional. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis was never an actor. The, the director just met her because of her parents and suggested that, and they said no. And then she went away, you know, her, she went to college for criminology. She wanted to go into law enforcement. Wow. Mm. And she was back from college and got cast in a show and said, oh, okay, I guess I'll do this. But it was not going into the family business. It was this weird, convoluted way. Wow. I did not know that. But she knows like criminology. Oh, right. She would have been really good at interrogating people too, right? She would have been great at interrogating people. <laughs> yeah, I killed her. Yeah. yeah. Let's have lunch. Do I get, if I talk about the murder, can I spend more time with you, Jamie? Sure. <laughs> can we get dessert? <laughs> I'll have some more coffee and tell you about the people in the ditch from three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Silence of the Lamb would have been a different movie had she been cast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Clarice, so nice to see you, Clarice. How are you doing? <laughs> come on. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> I'll, let me give you all the help I can give you with this. 
<laughs> Buffalo Bill, here's his address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh uh she's uh, she's wonderful. I'd never met her before and she's uh, she's just terrific. You know who else is great? Now you guys know this. I didn't know this. Uh you guys already know it because you guys are more aware of than me. Bobby Lee. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, is he good? Is he funny? Very funny guy. Yeah, always funny. Yeah. Always funny. And Bobby Lee and I walking through the streets of uh, of Hungary was like, uh, oh, these Americans come in many different shapes and sizes. <laughs> I mean, the three of us walking through Budapest, <laughs> J.B. Lee Curtis, Bobby Lee, and me. Three different temperaments, three different body types. <laughs> Shooting a new Lord of the Rings in town here, are they? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which one did they assume was Teller? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a tough call on that one. Tough call. I'm gonna tell you about how we um we flew an illegal drone into a building. But uh first, I want to talk to you about stamps.com. Are you still going to the post office? Still paying full price for postage? I know the answer from all of you is no. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> thanks thanks to Stamps.com. We have been talking about Stamps.com so long. They are just fabulous. They've supported us from the very beginning. Mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Send letters, send packages, and pay less, a lot less, with discounted rates from USPS, UPS, and more. Stamps.com save businesses thousands of hours and tons of money every year. They've been supporting us since, get this, 2012. Do you remember anything else that happened in 2012? I don't. <laughs> Stamps.com was there. Brings the service of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS right to your computer. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending invoices, a side hustle, Etsy shop, shipping out orders, or just navigating this hybrid work life. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. No wonder over 1 million businesses choose Stamps.com for their mailing and shipping. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail. Did you notice I said any and not any? Oh, look at you go. I'm getting better. Professional actor. With Stamps.com, you get discounts up to 40% off post office rates, which I don't know how that's legal, and 60% off, 66% off UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a fraction of the cost of this expensive postage meter. It's the greatest thing in the world. If you're not, I don't know why they still support our show. They must love us because anyone who's ever heard me talk about it must already have it. Stop wasting time going to the post office. Go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code, pen, 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 you get a special office that includes a four week trial plus free postage in a digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in pen. 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 That's stamps.com, promo code pen. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again. So, Randy Pitchford, we all know Randy Pitchford. He started Gearbox. He's the one that wrote, put together the game Borderlands, everything. He, he owns the most expensive coin magic in the world. Yes, he does. 
He is executive producer on Borderlands the movie because he did all of Borderlands the games. So he's there and he brings for fun, just for fun, his drones, his toy drones. Sure. Randy Pitchford's toy drones are of such quality, they ended up shooting some of the movie with it. (laughs) I told them that my friend Godot flies the drone while other people shoot the camera stuff. Yeah. Randy said, I've been playing video games a long time. I just do both at once with both controllers. (laughs) I said, okay. So he had in the room with him, Four Seasons, Budapest, he had a drone with him. We were eating vegan Mexican food in Budapest, and he was talking about (laughs) how much fun it is to fly drones. And he said, you know, I've never taken off from inside a building, and I've never flown at night before either. (laughs) (laughs) Just a couple of quick fun facts before the voyage. (laughs) So he opened these French doors onto his balcony, and he put his drone, which incidentally goes 90 miles an hour, so it's like a military drone? There's some good ones out there. No, you can buy some really fancy stuff. <laughs> he put it on his coffee table and said, let's fly over the Danube. There you go. Then he said to Glenn Ally, just for the takeoff and stuff, cover your face. Because <laughs> he was flying over Glenn's head. Right? So Randy puts the uh, VR goggles on. Yeah. And he, the drone comes up in the room. In the room, there's an alien monster that rises from the <laughs> coffee table and then flies out the French doors. And Randy says, this is amazing. This is amazing. Oh, it's very dark. It's very dark over the, over the Danube. Oh, uh, wait a minute. You know what I think I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll bring it back. Where, where am I now? I think I'll bring... Let me see. I'll just turn, and uh, there's a homing device on this. I'll, I'll head... Oh, I guess it doesn't know what height we're... Um, let's... Uh, uh, bang! <laughs> Randy flew his drone at great speed into the side... Of the Budapest Four Seasons. <laughs> so Randy said, let me watch that again to see where it is. He goes, oh, that's pretty neat. And he let me look, and I go, that looks like a drone crashing into the Four Seasons. <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, we better, uh, what are we going to do? I said, well, I think it probably crashed on the sidewalk. Let's go get it. So you go out to the Four Seasons, and as we're walking out, it's Glenn, Randy, and me walking out in Budapest. And you can see the doormen, who are very, very formal, looking like going, uh, fucking Americans at midnight. What are they doing now? Right? Yeah. And Randy says, did you see a drone? Crash into the sidewalk here. (laughs) 
And they said, um, no, you're not allowed to fly drones over Budapest airspace. <laughs> and Randy said, I know. <laughs> Did you see a drone crash onto the sidewalk here? Because they're, they're kind of expensive. Guy said, no. And then we looked all around. And Glenn said, look again at the, uh, at the footage. So he put the VR goggles on and went, oh, I think it's, and he's looking up there and he's pointing. I think it's, I remember this Budapest Four Seasons is probably 500 years old. Right. It is a classic <laughs> Budapest building. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it's ornate. And it has roofs of the kind that Glenn knew the name of. <laughs> he said, that's a something roof, like Mendico roof. <laughs> so I said, let's, uh, let's talk to the uh, people at the desk. Because he said, I think it's stuck on the roof. And I said, okay, well, I guess we got to talk to the people at the desk at the Four Seasons. So I went, hello. <laughs> We're Americans. We flew a drone out the French doors over the Danube. When it came back, we crashed into the building. We're from the United States of America. <laughs> and he said, yeah, there was just an article. I don't think you're allowed to fly drones. And Randy said, inexplicably, I am. I have all the permits. <laughs> That's the right answer. And they said, and I think Randy maybe does. Right. Because he was flying for the the movie. Film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he didn't have the right permit for crashing into the four seasons from the Danube. Where <laughs> to launch it from his hotel room. <laughs> so I said, well, they're more familiar with the I said, so it's the last Half second that really matters where we see where it's come to rest. And I said, I can't, I can't. And I said, let the, let the guy watch. So the guy in his formal Budapest Four Seasons outfit puts on the VR goggles <laughs> and he plays it back. And the guy goes, whoa, taking off from right inside the room. Whoa, that's the dead. Whoa, where are you now? Where are you now? Whoa, that's a ah! <laughs> play that again because whoa oh yeah you're you're a little bit to the right and then he used words like chloroform stuff like that, that <laughs> describe chloroform 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 yeah. but isn't there like a word like curaflex or something that means top of a Budapest like chloroform building. for when they put it over your face and have to knock you out. <laughs> so the other guy looks, goes, oh, yeah, they took off from right inside the, oh, it's the Blue Danube. Where are you now? Whoa! <laughs> so then they call uh, the maintenance guy, and he doesn't speak English as well. So then they explain in Hungarian, what's happened. And there's a gesture to us 
I'm thinking <laughs> probably not these dignified geniuses from the United States. <laughs> We're conducting a worthwhile experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and have come to our beautiful city to do wonderful things. Probably not what's being said in Hungarian. <laughs> because the guy shrugs and nods. And they say, he's going to go up on the roof. <laughs> and Randy, Glenn, and I go, well, we could go with him to help us, to help him. And the guys at the desk go, we don't think he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want Americans on their roof. Yeah. Meanwhile, the guy says, let me see that again. He watches it. Now he's on a radio in Hungarian to the guy. And we're sitting there for like 15 minutes. And we then he says, we think it might have crashed on one of the other balconies. Oh, geez. Then we're sitting there a long time, <laughs> like 45 minutes, chatting with the fellas about drones in Budapest. And the guy's saying stuff like, are you supposed to take them off from inside hotel rooms and fly <laughs> them at night? <laughs> and we're going stuff like, yeah, this one's made for that. <laughs> Finally, maintenance guy, who when you picture maintenance guy, whether you picture maintenance guy in Budapest <laughs> or Pittsburgh or Kobe, they're the same guys. <laughs> right? They have the exact same builds and the exact same way of presenting themselves. Give you a little hint. Not exactly like Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> After like 45 minutes, a guy comes down holding a broken drone. Wow. Looking like, looking like dad. <laughs> <laughs> and we say, where was it? And they talk to him and they say, <laughs> it, it was on the balcony of 532. <laughs> and we said, what'd he do? And he said, well, he checked the roof. Then he used his pass key to go to every room <laughs> one by one and look for the drone. And there it was in someone else's room. Oh my gosh. So Randy goes, oh, neat. This is where it hit first. He's doing forensics on the drone for how it smashed and how it fell. And uh, he went out the next day and got another one, and they're also repairing that one. So he had two drones that, of that kind. He had three with him. So, um, oh, my gosh. That's insane. <laughs> it almost seems like everything after We're Americans was not needed for the people of the Four Seasons. <laughs> it was almost like they were going to come downstairs and go, oh, by the way, here's Nick Nolte's Frisbee. Also, whoever's staying in room 532 is like, oh, my gosh, the most aggressive pervert wants to watch us fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best they could be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> if it were Jamie Lee Curtis's room, she would be yeah. chatting amiably with the uh, drone. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hovering there in front of her. 
Jimmy, <laughs> just just chatting. How you doing, drone? <laughs> so that was our adventure in drones. <laughs> the uh, couple nights later, I went for a walk with uh, with uh, Randy all around Budapest, and uh, at night. And Randy said, because this is the kind of guy Randy is, Randy said, actually, uh, I've gotten pretty good flying the drones at night now. (laughs) I said, you tried it again? He said, sure. He said, see those? And there were these wonderful, in a public park, there were these beautiful, like, marble statues, right? And Randy said, I slalomed around those. <laughs> Only Randy would take the take what happened at that night as a as a cue to practice. Yeah. As a cue to as a cue to take it on. Yeah. How can you get better at that? <laughs> so the next day he took us out during the day uh, in a beautiful view over the Danube and flew it and let us fly it around. Oh man. Pretty great, isn't it? Uh, pretty great. And we were going, you know, I was I went down uh I went right above a boat that was on the Danube mm-hmm. and just kind of followed it. Right. And Randy was like going under bridges and up and around and Oh man. It was pretty great. Those FPV goggles are great, aren't they? Goggles are great. Really feels wonderful. There were other tourists there and one of them said, I, I think you're you're not allowed to fly the drone in, <laughs> in uh, Budapest. And Randy said, we have all the uh, special permits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to be suspicious. If it's, if it's a national policy, what is happening on the roofs of Budapest that no drone can fly? That's what I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going full conspiracy theory on this. <laughs> what is happening? You and everyone else on Earth, because in my neighborhood watch thing, every day there's someone going. A drone flew by my house. I swear he's looking in my windows. <laughs> is that always you? No, not always. <laughs> Are you looking at the windows? No. Good God, no. No one flying a drone. Very few people flying a drone would have any interest in that. You know what I mean? You're just out flying because it's fun. I flew a drone. I flown a drone once, and that's all I was interested in. Uh, yeah, well, that's why you don't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't, you know, that's the thing, Godot. They always say, boy, you know, you fly a drone, it's the greatest thing in the world. I put the goggles on. I flew for three minutes. Yeah. I was done. Hmm. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. It's like fishing. You know what I mean? Some people love it, and a lot of people don't. Yeah, it was just, you know, it, it was fine. It was fun. It was amazing, but I'd rather watch someone else fly it. More fun. Right. Well, there are some. Randy's now flying on total manual. Right. Oh, wow. Which he said is really fun. It's really fun. Really fun. You fly total manual? I do some of the time, yeah. Yeah. If I'm not shooting something, I will. If I'm shooting something, I want a much more stable platform. You know what I mean? If you've been hired to shoot. I don't want it flipping around. You have a fancy drone, Godot? I have a fancy drone, yeah. I do. Does yours go 90 miles an hour? No, but it'll go 40. <laughs> it'll go 40, and it's just cheap off the shelf. You know what I mean? It was 1500 bucks. Yeah, this, his, his stuff's off the shelf, too. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's none of my business to give what, what he paid for them, but I was surprised 
that it wasn't uh, outlandish. No, they're not. They're not outlandish at you know, this point. Not tens of thousands, but you know, right, low thousands. Yeah. No, like I said, mine was fifteen hundred bucks and came with everything and extra batteries and yeah, uh, you know, a four K camera. Now, I went out and got the licensing and stuff, and it's great. It's really, really fun to fly. Now, soon, you know, they'll be the size of uh, dragonflies. I'm I'm sure they are Oh yeah, uh, somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I bet the Black Op guys got little tiny ones. I mean, I've got a little $30 one that's, you know, two inches long that I fly in the house. And you lease it to a guy in the CIA? <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> exactly. Like you with the magic props. I get the money back from... <laughs> I made my $30 back by loaning it to the CIA. <laughs> I, uh, I had a friend who brought out a $1,500 drone to show it off. I was like, oh, show it off for my kids. And I didn't know that we had inherited a drone that my wife was hoping that my kids forgot about mm. uh, from, from the garage of, of my father-in-law. And uh, as soon as I, not me not saying it, as soon as I said, hey, you can show off his drone, my son said, we have a drone. And I, that was news <laughs> to me. So he showed off his drone. Then my son was like, let's get out ours, as if we know how this works. Right. And uh, So was that the one that was, the other one that was on the roof in Budapest? <laughs> um, honestly, maybe. Because what happened was, <laughs> <laughs> made in flight, he starts taking it off, and the thing is just swooping all over. It has no hovering power, like my yeah, friend's $1,500 no. drone. It is just drifting left and right. And we're trying to get it. And then once it turns around the directions, your orientation as to whether what's forward or yep. backward goes right out the window. <laughs> and then I try to take it from my kid because thinking that I have n now less minutes experience operating a drone than he does, uh, grab the remote from him. And we both watch as the remote becomes useless. And the drone just travels northwest, just goes, just gone. Just maiden voyage, <laughs> gone. <laughs> and he's like, did we lose? Our drone on the first flight? And I was like, we sure did, pal. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> if you can learn to fly that $30 one, the $1,500 one is a party. It's so easy. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> $1,500 drone, you can take off in the backyard, put the remote down, walk over to it, and push it. And it goes <laughs> right back to where it was. <laughs> yeah. Right back. $30 one, you, you can't keep it in the, <laughs> it's all over your yard and breaking windows. and <laughs> Yeah, it is not, it is, even the kill switch is delayed. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. Just, just The kill crash switch land. means it's trying to kill you. Doesn't mean turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> it's kill. It's like a dog command. Kill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll be pulling the trigger on the expensive one anytime soon. If this is one you can get for $1,500, what must the real people have? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. No, I, yeah. I flew them for, uh, for Blue Origin launches, and that were, they were amazing drones. With a, we flew drones six or seven miles away from where we were. You know, it was really long distances and, you know, filming rocket launching and stuff. Fantastic. So fun. Wow. And you haven't uh, lost yours on a roof or anything? Not the expensive ones. <laughs> My advice for anyone who want to fly drones, get 10 of those $30 ones. And, and if you can fly that in your house without hitting a wall, buy yourself an expensive one. You will have learned all the that's skills. Fine advice. It's it, That's not Tabasco in your purse advice, but that's right up there. <laughs> <laughs> that is right up there. And you know something? I bet Bonnie Raitt also knows that. Bet she does. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I bet Bonnie Ray would say, buy the cheaper drones first, buy a bunch of them, get good at them. I have drawers and drawers full of cheap drones at my house. (laughs) I crash it. I buy parts to fix it. While I'm waiting for the parts to come in, I buy a new one, and then I never put it together. So I have 40 broken drones with extra parts in my house. (laughs) By the way, Matt Donnelly, Ready Rich, have you seen Godot's Garage? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he has. Briefly, we went through a bike riding phase. We were seeing his garage, yeah. yeah. My garage has every kind of bike ever made. I was <laughs> <laughs> say, it is not. The fact that it being filled with more small parts of things does not surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of crushed styrofoam airplanes, uh, tricycles, uh, yeah. battery-powered bikes and bikes and plate-spinning crap. <laughs> it's impressive. Eventually, there's going to be nosy neighbor complaints about this weird looking drone that's like shaped oddly it's got like 14 propellers flying around people's <laughs> windows <laughs> i have so much more to talk about but we're out of time we'll do that on the uh, next show i think yeah excellent but for right now that was penn sunday school that was penn sunday school cha 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 you become naked You know, we love you. What you got to say, Matt? I want to thank the following people who back us on Patreon. If you want access to the entire back catalog of any episode of Penn Sunday School, you can get it on Patreon. Thanks to people like David K., David Peters, Shane Brevik, Ah-One-Tay Fun People, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Benny Kirshner, Richard Aldred, Big Damn Clay, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, BigScubaPodcast.com, Christina Bobby Mack, Christina Keller, Carl Kistler, Central Park Al, Lancey Minshew, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Zach Wozniak, Andrew Murnane, Paul Atkinson, Michelle Yeiser, Jonathan, Brogan Hastings, Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce, Loves Matthew, Michael, Penn, and Reddy, in that order, I said in that order, Mark Pickenheim, <laughs> Jason Filippo, Miriam Ingalls, Simon Petz, Scott Kelly, Kirk Barrett, Kelly M., Adam Burzins, Chris Marvin, Aaron Malo, Fractured Adventures, Carlos Alvarez, Larry Hess, Michael Cornwall, Rob Allegar, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Baker, Eric Doble, and Michael Torbay. Thank you all. <laughs>